Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'll be joined by my co hosts, Ben and Evan. But first, I've got to shout out our new sponsor for season three, my friend, The Nando Knight. It's TNK Comics and Collectibles. You can follow him for Instagram claim sales at The Nando Knight, N A N D O K N I G H T, and on shortbox.com slash Nando Knight, as well as his first in person event in Anaheim, California, November 13th at Near Mint. Sundays. So check him out. He's a big supporter of a show from day one. And we are continuing season three with Batman, the animated series, the all-time classic episode. That's Mr. Freeze, Heart of Ice. Today we're going to talk about Heart of Ice. It's the 30th anniversary. (laughs) You're as cold as ice. Before we get to our episode today, I knew that we couldn't do a whole show on this exciting new book, Dear Detective by Libra Mayo. I thought you were nagging us for a second. And so I thought we would just uh, bring it up for a moment because it's not the kind of story where we can really do a beat by beat breakdown and talk about all the characters and you know all that stuff but i think it's a really cool project it's an artist that we talked about very early on on the show what if we just take turns describing (laughs) the page to the audience now this page he's holding the steering wheel there's some red side lighting and motion blurs through the window. It's a white knuckle grip if i didn't know any better looking at this guy he's got issues (laughs) something's off but yeah, man, I just picked this up recently. Again, we're recording this early. This is in September. I've sung his praises for a long time. I've wanted to squeeze in his books, Joker and Damned, which we will do this season for real. But man, it's so cool seeing him like get his shine again. Really, everyone come to appreciate how fucking rad this guy is. I've got probably half a dozen of these variants that he's been putting out but to see them put in a new order in a new context surprisingly have a little bit of script in there it's really cool i mean his take on gotham is just very singular vision you know Mm -hmm. yeah the realism is nice especially in contrast to the realism of like alex ross who is just different and it might be the way they depict the world Bermejo's is it a, like a darker world? Yeah, the darker palette. tone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Alex Ross is more of a golden age, the old yeah. school idealism, you know, bright and, and rosy. Yeah. yeah. One thing I do think is interesting because I've complimented him so much. What I like is how gnarly his stuff is. So when we read Noel or the first thing I read from him, Joker in two thousand eight, it's all tough, gross, gross that kind of shit. Yeah, but when I see him do female characters sometimes, like when he'll do Harleys or whatever, like they're kind of, you know, gnarly also, women too, uh, which yeah, yeah. you don't normally get. You normally get the big tough guys and then still the pretty girls or whatever. And he doesn't do that. He doesn't soften really for anyone, which is interesting. Refreshing. Yeah, I was going to say refreshing. I don't love it though. It's like, 
He's kind of just showing you, like, yeah, these people be fucked up too. You know? well, <laughs> that seems that makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, not that people always look like what they are. The exterior doesn't always represent the interior, but thank you. Yeah, <laughs> um, these are kind of out of the world characters. They have larger than life personalities, and what's the chances that these female supervillains and stuff are like also incredible babes doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense when we think about it. Yeah, you can create a universe where they're not and yeah. it, that works. Yeah. But uh, Bermejo's world and it's good and bad is like kind of the same way I feel about Murphy's where it's like it's so well realized in its disgusting bleakness mm-hmm. that I don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought that Gotham sucked. Uh, it needs to look like it. It needs to look stinky. Yeah. You're looking at it through a peephole, like, I don't want to go out there. I don't know. (laughs) I like it, though. I mean, God, the shit with, like, Killer Croc, Two-Face, and... Have you guys ever seen Little Shop of Horrors? Yeah. It's like Skid Row. Feed me! Yeah, exactly. That's how Gotham is, like, all Skid Row. Uh, Except when you, like, build up. That's the whole thing about, like, the mega metropolises. Up or or out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One thing that's cool here is he's doing everything. Like when we did Noel, he had a colorist, and my favorite covers on these are the fire ones, like yeah, the it one like where the apocalypse holding Jason, mm. or like this one I bought instantly on site where he's just standing in front of a fucking burning building. He's like on a lower rooftop on a gargoyle while a skyrise burns behind him or something. I like, really like that one near the end oh where he's on God. like the um, it's like he's on like the power lines, but that wouldn't make sense. But he's on some kind of like perched, and it's all it's very blue and cool. Because again, that's a different version of the shitty, dilapidated city. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, yeah. Just like wet and old yeah, and run down. That and like some of these rogues gallery scale. shots too of like him fighting off everyone inside Arkham seems so fun. Anyway, just had to throw that out there. Check out so. Dear Detective at your local newsstand. <laughs> newsstand. What year is this? All right. So thirtieth anniversary of Batman the Animated Series, September nineteen ninety two. Very exciting. Heart of Ice. One of the most acclaimed, one of the ones that put them on the map. We talk about is written by Paul Dini, directed in part because he kind of deflects the credit by Bruce Tim, with music composed because we've talked so much about Shirley Walker by Todd Hayen. So what's crazy to me that I didn't realize about this episode is that this was a week one release. This was like the third or fourth episode in the whole series yeah it's the episode four season one yeah which blows my mind depending on which format you watch I, it's like episode 10 for it's me 14, or 14. Oh, it's yeah. number 14 what because the show was aired out of production order they might have thought like well this is going to hit better this will draw people in better than like this weird episode where he gets amnesia and works on a railroad or something i don't think it's that even deeper. that because <laughs> they aired the cat in the claw part one and then didn't air part two for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, they do weird shit like that. Was this a Saturday morning thing, or? This was after school. Every day of the week? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because you'll sure. see sequential release dates uh-huh. on these old ones. I mean, there's a fuckload of episodes for these, like, two first seasons or yeah. whatever before mm-hmm. they change. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of content there. I think I recall watching it, like, after school every day. Uh-huh. Like, they would do three weeks as a chunk. And then replay them again while tooling up for the probably so the next ones. yeah mm. yeah again I'm just so impressed that this was like the bar they set right out of the gate. Uh-huh. Paul Dini wrote a brand new backstory, including the first appearance of Nora Freeze, for which he earned an Emmy for a children's writing. Emmy. 
a daytime Emmy. No, I don't know. You know, just kidding. But for, uh, <laughs> for writing, which really put this show on the map. And also worth mentioning that when we did this show in the past, Robin's Reckoning is also an Emmy Award winning episode. Hmm. This Mr. Freeze has an uncredited suit design by Mike Mignola. What? The suit design is stellar, and I can see it, especially in the eyes. Just those stark red eyes against the rest of the design. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's awesome. That's like high on my pros. Oh, yeah. Like uh, This depiction of Mr. <laughs> Freeze is killer. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything else is like so complex and silly and unpractical and stuff. And this seems like, while also really simplified, could be a thing. And you could sit on your butt and stuff like that. And the showrunners spent a great deal of time on the vocal effects for Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah. Working with the mixing engineers and going through a million different versions. And they spent a lot of time with Michael and Sara to redo his lines with less and less emotion and be more mm. mechanical, more robotic yeah. about it and fight every instinct he had as an actor mm. to bring the script to life. It's like you're doing the opposite of that. You're, it's reductionist at this point. And his performance is as important as the visual depiction. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And cool too because this story acts as the origin story. Thinking about it now, if I watched it again, he, in the origin flashback, is probably like more exuberant and panicked and mm-hmm. what in the world is going on? And so, you can't, so Mr. That's, but, that's really, like, you know, Ferris coming in not to get ahead and trying to shut the shit down. You're like, no, you can't, you yeah, can't. The performance you know? yeah, yeah. Is very yeah, so yeah, exactly. So yeah. to act the same character like two different ways because yeah. you're vocalizing like the transformation is super yeah, cool. Yeah, to show that. Yeah. Well done, sir. And again, like, I hope you cannot... Paid understate Seriously. that that backstory did not exist. Did Mr. Freeze as a character exist? Yeah, he existed. For I mean, like he was even on like the years. 60s TV show yeah. and he would pop up here and there, but <laughs> he was a one-note villain. He was very rare. Just ice guy. I read he was even called Mr. The, Zero the in the beginning. You know, the I will say how, yeah, how fucking lazy are they that there's like Icicle for that era's Green Lantern and there's <laughs> Mr. Cold for the Flash and Mr. Freeze for Batman. Like This is what solidified him as one of the main rogues that was not the case prior to this and that's why it's significant in choosing this episode oh Um, boy in listening to the commentary track on the blu-ray they were talking about the characterization and saying okay if he has no emotion then what is the thing underneath that makes him the most emotional person of all like what makes him have to shut off and compartmentalize that yeah and so that was sort of like, all right, well, let's think about Nora. the tragic family backstory, right? Hmm. Also worth mentioning that Spectrum Animation did the uh, episode and added some of their own embellishments that were not in the, the script or in the notes, like the studio owner personally airbrushing the sides of Freeze's helmet. Every cell this guy did himself hmm. because originally it was just a glass dome outline and this guy put that extra dimension on there they said which is crazy because it's the kind of thing that would distort and change as he's walking Uh and they do a very good job of keeping that consistent Hmm. and so yeah that'd be kind of a hard thing to be attempting to like control where you're I mean, it's an airbrush. It's yeah. splattering in weird ways. Mm. I mean, I bet the cell's not that big and they kept it kind of tall yeah yeah gosh this is also significant as Mark Hamill's first role on the show prior to being cast as Joker. Oh. He played Ferris 
Boyle and had asked them at the time, again, this is from the commentary track, if they had cast all the villains yet. And they said, yeah, pretty much. And he's like, what about Joker? And they're like, yes, because Tim Curry was Joker. So what? in the 13 episodes that aired before this, Joker wasn't there yet? The thing I have to imagine, because that crossed my mind as well. Like, I just watched a live stream about the Harley Quinn HBO series. Uh And the showrunner was on there with Lake Bell. And he's like, yeah, so we've recorded all the dialogue for season four, but God knows when it'll actually come out because Uh they have to do all the animation. And in this case, I mentioned, they're outsourcing it. So they're probably recording this shit well in advance to actually animating it. Not in the production order necessarily that they describe as the animation production. That's my headcanon here. Because they talk about the order in which they aired, they talk about the production order, and I thought, if that's true that this is his first thing, and his 14 in, there's no way they haven't already done Christmas with the Joker and some of these other ones. Like, mm-hmm. Well, in my head, I thought it was just that thing that they do with voice actors in any medium that they're voice actors, where they're like, well, I mean, we have you here, and people are dumb, so they're not going to know, so you want to do some other characters? We well, there is, it. yeah. Like, Conroy <laughs> does the valet yeah. on this episode, and there's always little things like that. But, uh, yeah, I think it was Bruce Tim. It was either him or Eric Radomski was saying, like, yeah, this was the first thing that he read for. So That's awesome. Who knows? I wasn't even sure that that was the case at first, but that you become familiar enough with that kind of stuff that Boyle's saying his stuff. And I was like, this seems a little Mark-ish. It's interesting and, uh, because it's more like a Luke Skywalker Mark and not like off-the-rails mark that he became yeah. after that. Yeah, you know? which is funny because then you have to th- think about like what is it that makes it so unique compared to the Joker? What is he pushing and like what's he embellishing yeah, he in order the, to the make weird it? weird diction that Joker has and yeah. flamboyant mm-hmm. word choice. Yeah, so I thought that that was the case and then confirmed in the credits. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know the backstory. I didn't even know that that was the case. Having watched Phantasm the same day that I watched this again, I related him a little bit to the congressman in that movie of like he's kind of that character of like they could have had anybody Uh, kind of mm -hmm. do it and yet the person that did it elevates it like in that one they had the dude from Die Hard that was like plays everything very straight normal and then when he gets infected by the Joker gas it's like oh man he's Mm. killing it right Mm -hmm. and they're like I'm sorry you know Mm. that whole scene and I felt similarly of like, it made sense to put the mark of old in a role like this. And mm-hmm. we had no idea he was capable of those other things yet. Yeah. Hmm. You know, which is so crazy. Like, you hear him talk about being cast for that. And everyone's like, can we have Luke Skywalker as the Joker? I don't think so, you know. Because that was basically what he was known for at the time. Mm. To Ew. his dismay. Yeah. So, let's get into the story. The show opens with Mr. Freeze talking to a snow globe that resembles his wife, vowing to exact revenge on the people who left her in this state. In a snow globe. Yeah, you never see her, so other than in the flashbacks, I'm like, oh, did they shrink her down? And like, he just carries her around. <laughs> oh, my God. Polly Pocket. Yeah. Polly Pocket. Summer Gleason reports on the news of an ice attack at Gothcorp. This is during a record heat wave. They're showing all the ice slick and fucking snowy wintertime shit. On the TV, Batman analyzes the various stolen equipment from this ongoing ice crime spree. 
and he puts them together on the screen going, shit, okay, if we got A, B, C, D, I can see what they're making, but they don't have E, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't have it all yet. He and so, beep, boop, beeps it on his super advanced like computer. Yeah, like, yeah. Click, 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 I'm going to combine these drawings. <laughs> and so he thinks that there's Look, one like more heist. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? So he assumes that there's one more heist and uh, sets out to try to stop it. Pretty easy to stop if they're all going after the same company. Batman pursues Mr. Freeze in the Batmobile and gets iced off the road, the ice under the tires, uh, much like we saw in Sub-Zero, which, again, some of these things we're just watching out of order. Uh, But he did to Robin, you know, and he, he, like, jumped on that fucking tree branch before Mm -hmm. the motorcycle goes over the cliff. The just the animation of like the Batmobile kind of spinning out of control and the ice going over the road that's some beautiful stuff. Just yeah, like this little sparkle effect yeah. they have on it. At the highest, Batman's usual moves are ineffective against Mr. Freeze. The Batarang, you know, fucking whatever. Not only does the suit insulate him, but it makes him stronger. Three uses, times the strength yeah. of a normal man. He uses the ice gun on everything. One of the goons is caught in the crossfire and gets his legs frozen. And the other goons are trying to help him to the truck or whatever. And Freeze is like, leave him or you shall suffer the same fate or whatever. And they're like, Jesus Christ. Because of that person's performance, I felt actual sympathy for them. Yeah. It's like the way that in the beginning of Hook, there's like a continuously broken part of my heart. Like the person that gets tossed in the boo box. We've talked about this before. That's Glenn Close. Yes. Glenn Close the pirate when, <laughs> when when bearded Glenn Close gets tossed in the boo box because of their like I don't even give a crap about the the box really I mean the thought of it is actually scary but they like the fear on her yeah, face yeah yeah but like that. but the high pitched like it really gets me and uh, so this guy's performance I normally I'd be like yeah well, a goon or something but because of the way that this person acts it I, I actually I felt for him. Well, especially where they go with it after this, that it's not like he just has frozen legs and Batman's like, see ya, I gotta go. Yeah. It becomes a plot point. Yeah. yeah and that he, guy's fate. Batman takes him, he's gonna thaw him out in the tank in the Batcave and shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and Alfred even comments on it like, you're being pretty hospitable to a guy who would have left you for dead. Would have hit you in the head with a tire iron until you died. <laughs> yeah. Batman doesn't have a heart of ice. You guys, Batman doesn't have a heart device. Oh, that's what the name is. Got it. While the guy's thawing out, Batman is like sniffling and starts to develop a cold and Alfred teases him for not having Kleenex in his utility belt, which I just love this Alfred animated series. He's so perfect. He's the best. Uh, Then Bruce Wayne meets with Ferris Boyle of Goth Corp and he asks, like, man, you guys been in some trouble. Like, who would ever target you like this? Did you just cross over the chicken soup line? No. Oh, that's later. Yeah. Okay. Whew. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and Boyle says there's only one former employee who would ever had a, a vendetta like that, and he died in an accident a long time I ago. I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like this is something that we've seen before, like in uh, Alex Ross, Paul Dini, War on Crime, when he's being Bruce Wayne around these other rich people. And he said something about, like, you know, when the wage slaves act like they run the place, you mm. got to lay down the law, yeah. you know. And Bruce is like, Jesus Christ. He's like, congratulations on your fucking award. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to be Shit. ill. What? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sees himself out. 
Mr. Freeze watches Ferris Boyle on TV talk about his forthcoming humanitarian award and, and saying, compassion, humanity, where were those pretty words when she needed them the most? You know, I can't do a fucking impression, but you get the, it's like... A, it's pretty you know, good. You, that you try is the important part. Yeah. A Nora. for effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, because he could, like, try to raise his voice without changing the inflection of it. It's very interesting. <laughs> He's like the uh, Will Ferrell. I can't control yeah, the volume voice, of my uh, voice of modulation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I forgot about this now. I'm going to make this meme. I was watching That Man Returns in the theater, and when Selena is guzzling milk right after she almost dies, I was like, oh, my God, I have to splice this with Ron Burgundy. Milk, milk was, was a bad, bad choice. <laughs> I have to do this as soon as I get home. And then when I got home, I was like, what was the thing I wanted to I have to uh, do something. I was like, there's something in the six hours of movies I watched today <laughs> that I can't remember. Kill children. That can't be it. Yeah. No, that can't be what, what was the take away? children. Isn't that a little... Uh... No! It's a lot! Batman investigates the source of the fatal accident because it came up in conversation. He's like, oh, okay. So maybe there is a vendetta, something worth looking into. And Alfred notices him getting sicker. So he gives him a thermos of chicken soup. And he's what is, like, what is this? Uh, blah, 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 nerve aid or something? Yeah, yeah. Chicken noodle soup, sir. For the soul. Posing as a security guard. <laughs> it's a book of homespun wisdom for your superhero vigilante. <laughs> you ever heard of that, young people? Yeah, right? Posing as a security guard, Batman finds uh, surveillance tapes of... Dr. Freeze, Victor Freeze. Is that what that thing was that he was putting in the box It's thing like a the... CD, but a box of plastic. Okay. He's like, CD? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a YouTube video made flesh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he developed this cryogenic freezing chamber to save lives. He's kind of giving a demo sort of on this footage. He's like, to save people with terminal illnesses, like my wife, she was like apparently the first subject and she's frozen right there in the room. And Ferris Boyle storms in, he's got security. He's like, look, you're losing me a shitload of money. I'm shutting this shit down. And it fucking just gets out of hand. Like Victor grabs, I think from one of the guards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grabs his gun, stands in front of his wife like, no, get out of here. And Ferris just like, well, take her out of the fucking box, man. I don't know what's your problem. Like, he just did well, not care. Well, at that care. point, he switches and he's like, hey, wait, this is all a misunderstanding. You know, we can figure this out together. And then, like, he kicks him in the chest into the ice chemicals. Yeah, and then we see the transformation. But, yeah, just prior to that, he was just very callous, like, you know, my wife is in there. Okay, we'll take her out. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't fucking care. I've already spent $3, yeah, $3 million. million. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he kicks him into the uh, chemicals there. And we see this sort of... Ben's precious beakers. <laughs> no! <laughs> this Alec Holland Swamp Thing sort of transformation. Yeah. Or it's sort of, I guess, a Marvel kind of origin, you know? Chemicals mixed in just the right way. <laughs> yeah, it's somehow that they like it. Bleach it, and ammonia turned me into... <laughs> yeah, it overtakes your entire body but doesn't destroy it or something. Yeah. It preserves it. Do you ever see it. that family guy with Adam West and he's sees a toxic waste spill, like a tanker truck turned over or something, and he starts doing like snow angels in it and rolling around. Mm-hmm. And it cuts in with a doctor, and he's like, Mayor West, you have lymphoma. What in God's name were you trying to prove? 
I was trying to gain superpowers. <laughs> what, <laughs> what else? You know, <laughs> throughout this laboratory scene, vividly in my mind was playing the lab footage from Batman and Robin of just Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, as yes. the smiling scientist, and then like the. I can't even like, picture what that is. Oh, it's. Incredible. I'll, I'll send it to you. Don't yeah, remember. yeah. It's it's, it's one incredible. of the best parts of that movie. Yeah, that's actually one of my <laughs> that's one of my cons. That it wasn't as good as yeah, Arnold. Yeah, that it doesn't measure up <laughs> to Batman and Robin. Anytime there was an ice pun, I could hear him saying it. Yeah, I will say that as I've been listening to the older episodes and getting ready for this new season of our show, your Arnold impressions consistently landed. Killing it. Yeah. I was going to, there's Always one I want to do in this one, and the last word I can't say right. I also try it when we get there, but like <laughs> everything up to the last word, I'm like, how does he say this word? And I can't hear it in my head. The <laughs> Mr. Freeze enters as Batman's watching this old footage and reacting kind of in horror. It's like if you don't expect to see some fucking body cam footage that day on Instagram or something, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, Jesus, you know, had that kind of a reaction. And Freeze just is like, would bring a tear to my eye if I was still capable of emotion, you know, <laughs> and blast him instantly. So I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> Little Danny DeVito. Once captive, they discuss Mr. Freeze's revenge at any cost. Batman's sort of like, what about all the other innocent people in the building when you go after Ferris Boyle and finish your plot or whatever? And he's like, would you not kill for a warm hand to hold or you know, some shit like that where he's been in this sensory Numbness. deprivation yeah, chamber yeah. of a suit for all this time and, and really all he does want. And we've talked about like why he can't really be applied to other scenarios a lot. Mm-hmm. Because he has such a specific motivation that all he does want is to have his love back, you know? Mm -hmm. This is an interesting one, because maybe because it's the first one, because this is just revenge. Where it seems yeah. like most of the other times we see him, he's like, I'm looking for that one thing yeah. that I need for my machine or to cure Nora or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I like, think I'm that's just angry. why Sub-Zero was a cool follow-up to this idea, because originally he's just, you know, pissed off and there's nothing he could do about it. And then with time and evolution of technology or whatever, he actually sees, oh, well, with this specific blood type, I can actually create X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And it's about as far as you can take it without reinventing it like Scott Snyder did or something. Which I'm on the fence about. I get it for that yeah. exact reason. But that's yeah. why I like Mr. Freeze because he's more understandable. I just feel like you can be more sympathetic to his plight even though he's a bad guy. Killing people wantonly is not good. And that's the thing that they did just exceptionally well on this show throughout is when they introduced a villain, they often gave the sympathetic backstory. Like we talked about White Knight, Harley Quinn, Starlet was the villain. And I was like, oh, you know what? This parallels Baby Doll from the animated series. It's like child star, abused, neglected, all this kind of stuff. Like I could see how that plays into this. I mean, for a fucking kids cartoon, they would humanize and try to show three-dimensional characters even if they were on the other side the of the bad line. bad guys aren't just bad guys. Y yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're people who yeah. something happened to them yeah. to but, make them this way. But I think it's not just for a kid show, but for like a 20-minute kid show. I know. I mean, because, yeah, the, yeah. because they're short, we can't quite like chew on these the way we chew on the books, but that's a, there's a lot My cat there. did chew on Hush when I was reading okay. it a little bit. His name is Bruce Wayne. Let's put that on the record right now. Bruce Wayne, is that from something? No. Okay. I call him Master Bruce around the house. Yeah. I like to think that Batman is hanging there 
Freeze is telling him about his backstory and stuff, and, and Batman is like, yes, <laughs> go on. Like, he's, like, he, like yeah. he's on board until he's like, yeah, there might be some other people in the building, and then Batman's like, no. <laughs> I was with you there, yeah, yeah. Victor. It's all there for you, bud. Was his cape frozen, or was it hanging upside down? Um, I don't recall, but that whole thing was very reminiscent of Luke trapped in an ice cave. Well, oh, that was absolutely me. on my Easter eggs. The, also, yeah. the guy you have in the Mark Hamill tank. on the episode, and oh, you have that, the yeah, Hoth. Yeah. The guy he's healing from his ice. Oh, you're that's, right. That's Luke in a tank right Fucking there. Fucking shit. Yeah, I also it's thought of Double that. star. I really enjoyed in that scene when he's hanging from the ceiling that Mr. Freeze has decided his new look is to just wear the bat belt over one shoulder. He's like, he's, he's Chewbacca now or Worf or something. Yeah, like, yeah. This is my belt. <laughs> this gold accents my suit well. I will freeze this chicken soup. <laughs> Save it for later. How does he eat? It's probably like a funnel. Like an IV or some yeah. shit. He just fills the top and drinks his way. <laughs> Your flavor is meaningless. I only require sustenance. <laughs> Nothing tastes good anymore. Mr. Freeze has the COVID taste buds. Yeah, he's got. what's your vendetta all about? Flavor! <laughs> <laughs> Who I wouldn't kill for the taste of some fresh bread on my tongue. He can only eat the spiciest food. That's the, the irony. Hardly, he's got to stay cold, but spicy food just to cut through. Batman escapes and finds his utility belt. He gives the uh, backwards Keaton one punch. To the guy on the, the big ice machine. Ooh, that's which I love. That's actually one of my favorite. No, it doesn't. Not work. ice machine, ice ray. I, didn't, I don't want it to be like. <laughs> it's like they're making <laughs> snow cones <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> ah! It's <laughs> a machine gun <laughs> ice dispenser. Uh, that's like one of my favorite <laughs> frames. And it doesn't make sense because the way they like do the lines, because he's doing the whole like, but over the shoulder backwards punch. Yeah. But the frame right before that shows lines like horizontal. And I love that it doesn't go with the backwards punch, but just that specifically is like so anime-esque to me that it's like past his face. It looks super dope. Uh, I don't know what the fuck you just said. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of followed. I get it. The depiction of movement. Ben yeah. just went it along with really it cool. and said, yeah, and I was like, cool. That's why you can't say congratulations to people. You can't. Sometimes you just I can't say, fake yeah, it. understand you don't understand everything. <laughs> I really don't know what you're talking about now. Victor brilliantly uses a fire hydrant and his ice gun to propel himself up to cool the move. second Incredible story. Yeah. Villain maneuver. And I love that on the commentary, they actually pointed that out. It was like, was that something we figured out in animation? And Paul was like, I wrote that. That was, that was me right here. And they're like, okay, well, that's fucking brilliant. My notes say hydrant ice is rad move. That's the most Evan version. Victor uses the ice ray on Ferris Boyle, waist down basically, and mocks his pleas for mercy again like he's asking for remorse. Oh, you mean like you showed to my wife, you fucking asshole? Like reveling in his suffering. What I was most surprised about because... I mean, this is a 20-minute episode, but this is, like, the whole point mm -hmm. is revenge on this fucking guy. Batman bursts in right away. Because I think you have to acknowledge, like, Mr. Freeze could kill this guy in a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you don't really get to stew in that... Moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. that momentary victory You don't get to that he has. chicken noodle soup in that moment. <laughs> and Batman uh, learns the hard way about Mr. Freeze's strength. I believe this is when he says it. 
which I like because otherwise I'm like, wouldn't he be slow? Yeah. Wouldn't this be an easy target for a martial arts man, a guy in a big yeah, metal suit? Yeah. I mean, not really because it's going to act also as armor, too. But, I know? mean, you like, trip him, knock him over. He may be oh, strong, you could, but he does they seem could slow. Have yeah. tied his legs like an AT-AT. Oh, yeah. Put another Star Wars oh, shit. differences oh. abound. <laughs> uh, that part bugged me. I mean, they're not going to do it, but the real me was thinking... Wait, wait, Are wait. we only with the fake you now? Uh, no. The, how many Evans the, are there, Evan? The, uh, I don't know, Ben. Are they all here in the room now? Well, how many future Bens are there? Uh, the part of me that is watching a cartoon and is also thinking about quote fingers real version of this stuff, uh-huh. Mr. Freeze is like, I'm three times as strong as a normal man. And then Batman kicks him and Mr. Freeze catches his punch. And I was like, why wouldn't... Wait, he he kicks him and Mr. Freeze catches his punch. Kick, sorry. (sighs) (laughs) Question from the the class. Yeah, you got me there. Take the line again. Yeah, yeah, no, you've you've knocked me down. (laughs) You've knocked me down a peg. Thank you, Sam, I needed that. Uh, (laughs) Why wouldn't a person who is as three times as strong as a person should just like karate chop their shin in half or break their leg yeah yeah i mean he caught his kick my quarrel is not with you batman i will not i mean he did say that earlier in the episode when they first face off he basically says this is a personal matter but now batman's standing in the way of his ultimate goal though well yeah i mean he he acknowledges there when batman's like no walk away yeah that he's like okay then you you stand with my enemy then basically and he did seem a little more i will say vengeancey in this moment of like just reveling in his power over others it's vengeanceful mm-hmm. <laughs> vengetti mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who made that sound that was inappropriate <laughs> i just remembered i have leftover spaghetti in the fridge and I, i'm Man, really I'm hungry we've been recording for hours <laughs> batman is being held up by his collar, and Mr. Freeze really just uh, is overpowering him at every attempt. And this is when Batman pulls out the thermos, which apparently he had been keistering, and <laughs> um, just smashes it over his head. The fucking hot broth cracks the sc- <laughs> the uh, not the skull, the, not the skull, but cracks the, the helmet. Dome. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> skull. Idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I correct myself. That was okay. probably yeah. you who said I that. I leave other no thing margin too. of error for you. I don't think I even said punch. You said punch <laughs> and you put it in my head. <laughs> and uh, at that point, he goes down. We don't even really show him get apprehended because, like, he's Bubble Boy. He needs 45 to. seconds before they need to get to the commercial. So, yeah. yeah to wrap it up. Well, it's actually very quick. Like, we're immediately to the epilogue. The last thing that happens in the scene is Batman does not do what he did for the goon. And take the half frozen man and help him. He walks over to Ferris Boyle, who he knows in real life, and says, Congratulations, humanitarian. <laughs> I think it was like, Good night. Damn. Only because I was like, You're right. Yeah, it says good night. I, I, I wanted I him to say, Good night, humanitarian, and then do like a spin kick and just shatter him <laughs> all over the floor. Mortal Kombat. Sub Zero. Also, he gives that reporter person the surveillance tape. Oh, oh, he does, which, cool. which I think yeah. is really cool because the whole time I was, no, I'll save it. I just like that. I like that a lot. Later in his cell, Victor apologizes to his wife, again with a snow globe in hand, his saying tiny, that... Tiny, tiny little... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Andrea Beaumont said, I'm not the only one who talks to his relatives 
Her, her rel- I'm fucking everything up. Now. God, <laughs> tell me about it. God. Saying that he will make it up to her someday. And he again returns to like someday when a warm hand waits for mine. And we have this insanely beautiful musical cue that like takes us out of the scene and the camera like fucking pulls out and we see Batman watching from across the street on the rooftop. He tries to walk out of the light beam and he's like, ah, so hot. (laughs) And then he returns to his cold light beam. A lot happened in a very short amount of time. There's no fat. There's no like superfluous characters. It's not a Robin episode. Is that Arkham, or is he just in regular jail? Because I think I, Arkham probably isn't a thing at this point. Or I thought it that, was probably Arkham. That but building I, seemed very standard. It's not like it was in the city, like a jail. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a straight-walled brick building. Yeah, I don't know. And to say Arkham wasn't a thing at this point doesn't make sense because I'm sure it existed. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm Whoa. sure it was a thing throughout Super the series. Super fan, my butt. <laughs> Easter eggs. Hey, fuck you, on... man. I've had enough of this. <laughs> You're always talking to me that way. I never talk to you that Look, way. Look, we just start the third season and it's over. <laughs> Who's it, Sam, anyway? Not you. <laughs> yeah, Easter eggs besides the Star Wars stuff we talked about. The line I wanted was the feel the icy touch of, and I don't know how Arnold Schwarzenegger says death. It's feel the icy touch of death, which is like a nice Give, ice give it a moment. try. Yeah, that's great. Feel the icy touch of death. No. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's good. Yeah, yeah that's how I he like says it. it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it sounds nice. Um, I do have one that it's kind of unconfirmed, but I bet nobody has it. When Batman is on his computer in the cave, he's... There's Pornhub in the background? Yeah, the yeah. Open he's, tab. he's scrolling. He's like, nope, not cuckold. Not, <laughs> nope. <laughs> not, step, not today. It's yeah, not, not stepmom. No, not daddy stuff. <laughs> um, it's a picture. And to me, it looks like the character Astro Boy. Oh, yeah, totally. Sam, you will not know, but I will send you a picture later. But there's an old, old manga by uh It's an old, old wooden ship. Yep. Um, with a little uh, robot boy named Astro Boy. And he has a kind of a pseudo pompadour thing that comes to a point. Looks, yeah, a little double like spike metal hair. Uh, you'll see it, but I, I don't think I'm wrong. I think it's a real thing. Well, you're not Ben, so you're probably not wrong. Word. Not Ben, not wrong. I don't understand. That's a confusing sentence. <laughs> I'm not 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 Ben. Uh, the Which other Evan one are we talking to right now? <laughs> the yeah. other one I was going to point out was the animation glitch thing that happens a couple times while Batman is in motion, and I don't understand how such a thing could happen. Like maybe the guy who was animating that one cell went for coffee, and he was, will you draw the next cell? Sure, and then he got back and he drew the one after it, but like his chest emblem inverts. Where instead of being a yellow oval with a black Mm. bat, it's no oval and a yellow bat. And it flashes that in two different scenes. Like nobody noticed on the show. It's way too late now. And they just Uh, left it in. And like I'd seen it before, but the showrunners mentioned it again on the commentary. And they were like, yeah, it's kind of cool though. You know, just like product of its time, leave it in, you know? Yeah, Yeah. that's true. It humanizes it. I I didn't even notice. When, uh, disguised security guard Bruce Wayne yeah. relieves the other guard and he's like, hey, said you can go enjoy the party, pal. The other guy walks away humming like Homer Simpson, which that was hilarious. <laughs> like, do, 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 do. <laughs> I like that he kind of does the white knight under the bathrobe, or I guess kind of a Superman, where he 
rips open the security <laughs> clothes that he's wearing and the full bat suit is <laughs> underneath it. Like, the, like this really was spandex. The cowl was inside out on the inside of his shirt, so as he pulled it off over his head, it pulled the cowl <laughs> yeah, over his face. Flips and, over yeah, it was pretty instantaneous. I also thought it was funny just in rewatching Phantasm yesterday that like Alfred hands him the cowl when he's already wearing the cape. But then in multiple later scenes, he takes off the cape and cowl in one piece. I'm like, so it's just whatever you need it to be. That's what it is. It's yep. uh, a zipper. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> like, oh, it's like my fur collar on my Bob the, the Goon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I wonder why they could have just done it like in color, but in a lot of cartoons and stuff, you'll have characters who don't necessarily like. They're not uniforms in that they're special uniforms, but they just wear the same clothes all the time, you know. Like me. Doug. Yeah, Sam. Uh, they're very they, fashionable camo shorts. Yeah, yeah, I just wonder. Don't mistake me. Like somebody could have. Just comfortable. And this isn't even a gripe. I just something I'd noticed because I hadn't watched the cartoon in a while. But Bruce has always got his like brown yellow suit going on. Oh, you've mentioned that. Have I? Yeah. I don't know how hard it would have been to just you could keep the same line art. And then yeah. just change the colors as if he is a rich person who could wear a different suit. Yeah, sometimes. and this is pre-digital, so it's not like they were like loading in the Naruto presets <laughs> model. Yeah, it was like yeah, they had yeah. to draw it from uh-huh. scratch anyway. Yeah, because yeah, yeah you keep the same line art and everything. You don't have to like super fancy it up, but you could make him look like he has more than one. Yeah, ensemble. I mean, it's the back to Homer Simpson thing. That's just what cartoons <laughs> did. Bruce Wayne. This that's is the what character model. Like. You know, yeah. when he's in the suit. When he's out of the suit. When people think of Bruce Wayne, they think of Homer Simpson, (laughs) hand in hand. Well, you know, it's a cartoon thing, I mean. I don't get what you're saying. Doug Funny. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Ben Polanski. Peter Griffin. (laughs) You never see the two of them in the same room at the same time is all I'm saying. Doug Funny and Ben Polanski. (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Two episodes in a row, we watched Little Shop of Horrors with my parents when we were on our trip. Like, I'd seen the first, whatever it is, one or two seasons of Family Guy years and years before I ever watched Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. Then you get to this daydream scene, and I'm like, this is creepily familiar to me. Then I realized it's like the old creepy man's daydream about Chris. Oh, Chris. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that it's an Easter egg from the movie, and I was like, oh, my God. So that it, so I showed it with, shared it with mom and dad well, and stuff. something else. Yeah. And then my dad proceeded to, like, four times in a row watch the whole like meeting of overweight people where they just like spend the whole time like grumbling and farting and <laughs> Peter's trying to lead the meeting and it gets like zero words in and all right I think we got a lot accomplished here today uh, we'll pick this up again tomorrow my dad loves a fart good man yep really is pros it's nice to be back in this world. Yeah. Just the visual design that they pioneered, really, on this show. Yeah. Like, when Bruce meets Ferris Boyle in his office, I was like, get those fucking characters out of here. <laughs> Give me, like, a 24 by 38 of just the cell of this office. And I'll put that on the wall. I was just, mm. like, seeing out of the window of the skyscraper, the visual design of the office, like, the plants and everything. It's just, like, that's a perfect little microcosm of why this show looks so good. The yeah. attention to detail and yeah. style that they put into it. The background I think that's, is so awesome. I think that's Eric Radomsky's contribution is the, the background painting is the, the production design, that sort of thing. Whereas Bruce Timms was more the character design and that mm-hmm. foreground stuff. I think it's so interesting how certain mediums can, it's not like a trick, but we fill in the dots 
between like there and here as to what they're conveying or something or the mm-hmm. way that something can look like something that it's not. And so the way that like airbrushing makes stuff look textural, you know, this city is like old and massive and it's 80% stone or something. But the way that the backgrounds lend themselves to like, Oh yeah, the whole thing feel like those buildings look to me like it's like gritty. stone, like you said. Yeah, yeah, like like everything feels like sandpaper. It must mm-hmm. feel like sandpaper. And you know, by contrast to the characters looking colorful and smooth and stuff. But yeah, everything about the paintings is like everything that I like about older stuff and the hand done element of it. And then those few beats where again, like I was talking about with Freeze icing the road and then like the Batmobile chasing the van, that whole scene. And there's another one too where he Maybe it's when he hits the guy in the face with the backwards ninja move or something like mm-hmm. that, where they just like worked a little harder mm-hmm. on the animation of that scene that's really fluid, again, in a way that you don't see as much in newer stuff, mainly digital-based, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's just harder to get that effect. And it's also just not as impressive, you know? Mm-hmm. Back then, it was just like, all right, we need to make a lot of flat blacks so mm-hmm. we can move these fuckers around, yeah. you know? And hearing you talk about the backgrounds making me think of when uh, I got to go to the Warner Brothers lot and actually tour the studio. You'd walk in these fake streets that they have, and they'd be like, all right, so use this uh, brick wall alleyway for this movie, that movie, this TV show, that TV show, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, for all these little walking home from the movie or got mugged in the alley or whatever it was, you know. It's beautiful brick wall blah 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 they're like uh, everyone should go up and touch it it's uh, basically rubber um, hmm. all the texturing you see is all painted in and blah 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 and it's like whoa weird like none of this fucking shit is real and they, if you walk up to the front of this building you know this was the Daily Planet for Adventures of Lois and Clark and hmm. this was a million other things and there's like a trap door in the sidewalk in front of the shit like yeah so you can go underneath and we could build shit on the front of it and put hmm. up a facade and like it was very interesting just seeing like the practical way that they do backgrounds too. It'll make you like see that shit differently too. Well, not, not to sound like a grandpa, but now it's like, eh, CG. <laughs> just yeah, do it CG. Yeah, I don't want to build that trap door at all. It's expensive. Sure. And you can't have somebody just do it later. Like, yeah, just, just yeah, build that set later. We said it earlier, but I really like, despite in it ties into like the design aesthetics because this whole thing seems like 1920s Art Deco. Batman or something, despite being not old. So Mr. Freeze's suit looks like it could be some 1950s imagining, like a spacesuit or something. Yeah, like a pulp sci-fi idea. Uh That's what was so great about doing the World's Fair thing in Phantasm, where they they show the future exhibit in the past, and Uh it's like, oh, that's that's where we got the Batmobile. That's where we got the Mr. Freeze. Yeah. You know, Mm. very interesting. And I, I really like the color combo the purple gloves and boots and the black and gray and then the contrast of his red, red circle eyes. eyes inside the the blue glass and and then just the practicality of it because everybody else because his origin story and stuff and what it would take to actually maintain him or something would probably need to be so sciencey looking and stuff uh, yeah. i just really like the no Darth Vader. Yeah, he's got he's got like on. a couple tanks on his back. His head's in a jar. What else do you need to know? You know, he doesn't have <laughs> like it. crazy tubes yeah. and stuff. And everybody else does it more, and it's not necessarily better to well, me. Well, and it's funny too, just as you point out the Mike Mignola thing, because like now I one hundred percent see that. Yeah, it makes sense. Just that design is like totally his kind of thing. 
Like a Abe Sapien looks like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I hear you talking about this, Evan, and it just makes me think I Paul Dini Evan. needs to do Calendar Man. And like some of these other shittier villains that still exist but never got the upgrade from shitty one-note character uh-huh. to mm-hmm. like someone who's actually worth a shit, uh-huh. you know? The other thing that I really liked about this too, and I, and I always feel like this anyways, that Mr. Freeze is like the most relatable or the most sympathetic anyways of these bad guy characters to me. Again, because usually he's like, I'm just trying to find a cure. That's yeah, all. yeah, just like stop getting oh, in my way. I'm yeah. sorry that I have to break laws to do this, but I need your diamonds. <laughs> uh, your diamonds? Yeah, yeah, if there, there were more diamonds laying around, I'd just scoop Be those cool. diamonds up. Yeah. Uh, Playing hockey with him. Yeah. I always sympathize with his character, but I think for the first time I was kind of, I think it's just always kind of pitched like Joker is Batman's opposite. And Chaos to order. Yeah, exactly. But instead, this time I'm feeling like he's just the opposite of like a certain facet or like yeah. this one dimension. It's like he's the opposite of Batman as the crime fighter or something like that. But really, Mr. Freeze for the first time, feels like the opposite of Batman or the alternate universe version of Batman who would... It's obsession, like yeah. a trauma yeah. leading to a single-minded obsession. Yeah, and who would do whatever. You know, Batman is like, no, 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 I draw the line. I'm not going to do whatever it takes. And um, it's still a like a wholesome motivation. It's like altruism, yeah. but at any cost. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah, a bit. Just one step past that line. But to him, it's still like, well, it's not bad. I'm not doing it just because. I'm yeah, doing yeah. it for this one and ultimate goal. I think goal. that's How the key is that any real villain doesn't believe they're the villain, totally. you know? Yeah. Like, but th- unless it's the real edgy fucking yeah, pure Yeah, everybody's like rooted in love though, uh-huh. you know? And, and so I just for the first time was like, oh, these guys are actually really similar. Yeah. But I think that way with even with the Joker because it's not so much that I think they're opposites like one is chaos and one is order. It's another version of that like they both have a guiding principle in their existence and they've both taken it to their extremes. Hmm. It's just that Batman's is order and Joker's is chaos. And the same with like Riddler is not as opposite in terms of like detecting things, mm-hmm. but he's like a complement to it. The same idea of like someone who is brilliant and can solve things and figure things out and just is a bad guy. And what guy who's like essentially a puzzle builder, you know, maze builder type of guy who thinks he's the smartest person in the room and always is wouldn't love finding a guy who can actually challenge him yeah. and try to make him one-up himself you know like totally get that i mean because as you got part way through that sentence like you could be describing batman also a yeah. guy who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and always has an angle on people and usually is the smartest guy in the room yeah that <laughs> the batman might once in a while get a kick out of riddler I'm like, oh, you think you're smart, huh? In the same way that he enjoys beating people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let me drop a few uh, pros here. So I just wanted to point out that balance of heart and action. It's a very human story, clear motivations, every character there for a reason. It's just really tight. Effective callbacks, like it opens and closes with the snow globe thing and him still in the same position as where he started verbalizing this regret and, and this desire to fulfill the vow not unlike batman's vow to his parents you know and then the chicken soup thing being 
so simple and seemingly stupid, but Neat. the perfect foil, you know? Better than like, he's like, oh, I have to pull out my heat gel. Yeah. Like a regular gadget would have been so much worse. I just oh, love that's it. a poorly designed suit. The beautiful like music. couldn't have been that hot. <laughs> the uh, amazing voice work. Everybody was great. But I mean, Michael and Sarah, just wow. And the fact that they were able to, Paul script and, and just everyone involved, give so much life and depth to a throwaway character. Well, when we started, Evan showed me the picture of the... Batman 66, Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, for the record. <laughs> it looks like he would be selling ice cream or something like that on the side. <laughs> like, he'd be on the box. I also think it's tight that you have different performances and then you also have different sounds to his voices. Yeah. In Arkham City, Freeze is in that and he's both in suit and out of suit. And it's not played by the actor from the show. It's not played by Michael Ansara. It's like a guy who does a bunch of video game voice acting, particularly mm -hmm. in that era. But the way they do it is when he's out of the suit, it's his normal voice, and the suit is what causes the filter. Yeah. But then I yeah, noticed yeah. in this, at the end of the episode, when he's out of the suit, it still has the filtered effect on it. Interesting. It I didn't think about like that. It seemed like it was lessened, though. Like, uh -huh. So it's not just like pre and post yeah. transformation. It's also in and out of the suit. It's yeah. all, that's, all three. Yeah, that's how it sounded to me, because I felt the same way. So I wrote that there was three of them. There's like freeze prior to incident. There's head in a bucket freeze. <laughs> And then there's Freeze at the end, which, which sounds makes like sense. the bucket version, but the bucket adds like a little something extra to it. Yeah, that um, he would still be that kind of bereft of emotion and everything, but that the tonality would change in the suit. Yeah, his yeah. suit is actually a small little fish tank of the chamber. <laughs> yeah. uh. Cons. Hmm, no cons. No, I mean, the only con I guess would say is just a function of the medium, that these episodes are so, so short that there's a limit to how much they can get into, but that's not really it's a con. simultaneously I mean, so impressive and also like, wow, I would have watched more of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could have taken like 40 minutes, sure. a little more depth, but that's not what they were doing. That's not what they But made. then also you look at, I think it was Robin's Reckoning, where we're like, yeah, that was really good. The first half was better, you know? Mm. Like, like the first half had all this great setup, and then it was sort of like... Well, we told the story, big action sequence or something, you know. Mm -hmm. That's the risk you run of extending something like this that's already like, well, I think we can do it, you know. Yeah, at least you feel like that. It's better to want more, I think, than overstay your welcome. There's that classic yeah. show business That's line. my motto for Give sex. Give them too much. Make them want less. That's what they always say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this unintentional Easter egg where Mr. Freeze comes in and freezes Boyle, and Boyle's like, who, who are you? And I thought of the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland, who says, who are you? And then also the song by The Who. Well, hearing you just say their names make me realize that Freeze and Boyle Oh as shit! Adversaries? Oh, are you fucking kidding gosh. me? Man. How did I not notice that? How did I not? I get how you didn't notice it. Freeze how did I and boil? Because it? it's B O Y L E. Wow. There's a that's uh, so good. It's not really a con or an Easter egg, but it's just a weird production note. Where I was watching this late at night, so I had headphones on, and when Freeze busts into the party at the end, there's like the background chatter of people there, mm -hmm. and it's just a looped thing. So you hear somebody twice go, "Who, who is that?" 
And then it's like more like, oh, who is that? <laughs> and then <laughs> he a, like, I'm Mr. Freeze. They mentioned that on the commentary that it's like they forgot to record something or, or whatever, something was lost maybe. And they're like, yeah, we just uh, played the same thing <laughs> twice. Well, especially in headphones, because when you're watching it on speakers, your room does the work of making it sound like it's in a space. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Yeah, and headphones are like, it just sounds like a, a recording booth. It's all it's right very there. Small. Yeah. Well, that's how I Somebody felt at moving the theater. like a chair around and going like, yeah, that's it. For, for Batman <laughs> Day, like all these movies I've seen a bunch of times and hearing the extras talk in the background and hearing the footsteps and all the little shit, I'm like, that's so weird. Like mm-hmm. in this thing you know so well to mm-hmm. be hearing all this depth and dimension that's not usually there. Rating? Four. It's not because it's bad. It's just the limitations of the length prevent me from fully connecting to it or investing in it. Cinco. Come again? You know I don't speak Spanish. In English, please. I really like it. Yeah, I have to give it the five. It's one of the best episodes of one of the best interpretations of the character. And it's just a, a great example of everything they got right on that show to again have delivered that so early on in the run is so impressive to me and the historical context of pulling that off is just it's so impressive even without that just watching it beat to beat to beat you're just in it you love it there's a reason that this has been voted over and over and over again the best episode of the series Uh, ben you're wrong and um anyone who tries to argue against that is also wrong yeah i agree differences should not be celebrated and I dragged on too long, and I went really NPR on that ending. And so uh, I'm disappointed. head on down to your local newsstand and find a copy of Batman, Heart of Ice. <laughs> that was a renowned flutist. <laughs> wow. Jasper. <laughs> this is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying season three as much as I've looked forward to making it. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram at BatFanAddict. We will be sharing all the new episodes as well as convention sketches, hot toys, new comics. And if you want to support us, just share our posts about the show. You can also leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and even leave a sentence or two as a review saying you love Ben's seductive voice or Evan's insights on structural engineering or my heckling of both of my co-hosts. We're going to return with another Jeff Loeb story as a tribute to the late Tim Sale. Stay tuned for Catwoman When in Rome.